Well, good afternoon. Uh, Today is Wednesday, March the 10th. Uh, It's hard to believe that March is already a third of the way through. Uh, It just seems like these weeks are are flying by and and a lot of things are happening. Uh, But it's all good things. And uh, we're getting close to Easter, which is uh, fun and exciting. Looking forward to what we can do there. And it's looking like the uh, some of the coronavirus, the pandemic that we're having, at least we're moving in a, in a good direction. So I'm excited uh, about that. I hope you are as well. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, this afternoon or whenever you may join me to, uh, to watch and, and go through these Bible studies. But uh, uh, we're going to be looking today. Uh, we're going to continue to look at uh, Jesus's uh, model prayer that he gave to his uh, disciples and, and also gave to us. We're actually almost finished with this. I thought I was going to finish up today, but I think it's going to take at least two weeks to, uh, to, to wrap this up this week and, and next week, and then we'll see where we go from there. But my prayer is that you are doing well uh, as we dig into God's Word. My prayer is that this will help us to, to learn and grow and become more like Him each and every day. Let's go to Lord in prayer, just asking for His guidance on this time we have here together. Father, we come before you right now, and we do thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way you spoke uh, to those that followed you when you walked this earth, and I thank you that you've given us your word uh, to where we can see how you were at work and how you are at work even in our lives today. And as we have gone through this model prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, I pray that uh, as we've looked at these different aspects and uh, what it means, there's so much there when we start digging in to really following you and faithfully serving you. So help us today as we read this and as we study this together to gain insight, uh, not just head knowledge, but I pray that it'll give us heart knowledge that we can live more faithfully for you. Thank you, Father, and help us as we study your word this day. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, we are still in Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Uh, I'll read those here in just a moment, but again, the prayer goes through verse 13, but then Jesus adds those few comments uh, at the end there, uh, talking and, and sharing with us, uh, uh, giving a little bit more fully, fuller understanding of uh, the the idea of forgiveness. We took two weeks looking at that a couple weeks ago, uh, and we're going to dig into this last verse of the prayer, which is verse 13 today. So open up your copy of God's Word if you have it. If not, just listen closely as we look at this prayer here together again today. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Christ says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." Uh, we looked at that in some detail a couple weeks ago. We now look at this last part of this prayer here together uh, this afternoon and, and next week as well. Verse 13, where the prayer is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, we're just going to look at that first phrase for the most part uh, here this, uh, this afternoon in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. 
Uh, as uh, again, I share these st- same studies uh, on Wednesday mornings with the, with the group that comes in, and uh, we kind of talk through this, and that helps me because it gives me some additional insight into what people are thinking and what people are seeing. Uh, so we're going to kind of follow the same pattern we follow with them this morning, and I ask them a question, uh, either an agree or disagree question, and I'll ask you this same question, although I know you can't answer me right now, just think about how you would answer this. The, 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 the statement is this, sin is fun. How would you answer that? I uh, can't remember exactly when it was, but it was uh, decades ago now. Uh, I've been in ministry for 30 years. Uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, this year uh, actually marks my 31st year of being in, uh, in, in ministry, vocational ministry. Uh, and uh, somewhere along the lines, early, fairly early on in my ministry, I think it was back at my first Emmanuel Baptist Church, uh, I was a student minister there, so teaching youth all the time, and uh, I think it was where I made this comment in, in a youth group talking to them, and I said, uh, sin is fun, and had at least one person say, no, it's not. Uh, but then we delved into it a little bit further, uh, and I asked the question, well, if sin is not fun, why do we do it? Now, hear me very well in in what I'm saying here. I am not saying sin is good. I'm not saying sin is right. Uh, What I'm saying is uh, there is a a pleasure factor in any sin that we do. If if there weren't, we wouldn't do it. If it was not pleasurable, uh, we would not do it. Uh, and the point here is, and in, in, in conjunction with what the uh, the Lord is asking us to pray here, we're we're praying and saying, "Lead us not into temptation." Uh, we are led into temptation on a on a daily basis, and Satan knows how to tempt us. He knows what buttons to push uh, for us, what we are more most likely to give into and to do, uh, and he does it by wrapping up sin uh, in something that looks good, feels good, seems good. Uh, we, we logically can maybe rationalize why we should do it. Uh, he, he's good at doing that. Scripture tells us that uh, he is an angel of light and his demons uh, uh, masquerade as, as angels of light as well. So they know how to make things look good. And so uh, in one sense, uh, sin is fun and that's why we do it. Uh, we, we talked again this morning, kind of delving into that just a little bit uh, about the fact that uh, sin has a, a feeling factor to it, uh, and it, it's you know we we feel like we want to do something, uh, and again it may feel right to us to do it, uh, and in our Christian life when we're following uh, our Lord and Savior, uh, we should never follow our feelings first. We should always follow. Uh, the facts, and the facts are the truth of who he is and what he has commanded us to do. Uh, And so when I ask that question, again, just to kind of get you thinking a little bit, uh, is sin fun? Yes, it is fun. The consequences are never fun. There's always going to be a consequence for our actions, whether right or wrong in what we do. Right actions will bring good consequences ultimately, uh, whereas bad actions will bring negative consequences always. Uh, and so when we give in to sin, uh, there is a momentary time of pleasure. Uh, there's something that satisfies us to, in, in some way, no matter what the sin may be, uh, whether it's stoking our ego a little bit, whether it's uh, uh, something in our senses that, that we feel, something we taste or smell or, or, or do, there's going to be a momentary pleasure there. Uh, But ultimately, when it is sin, there's going to be a negative consequence, which will never be good. It's never something that we want uh, to happen. So uh, 
this idea, the reason that Christ puts us into this into the prayer is that we are led into temptation. Uh, we, we do follow uh, our, our hearts. And, and when we talk about this, again, Satan is the one that does the tempting. We'll talk about that here in just a few moments. But that phrase that some people have used over the years uh, is not a valid phrase at, at all. And that phrase is, well, the devil made me do it. Uh, you can honestly say the devil tempted me to do it, but you cannot say that the devil made you do it. When, when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, we can tell the devil to flee, and he, he must flee. He must listen, not because of our power, but because of Christ's power uh, and strength through us. So we have power over Satan. Uh, but again, Satan has a way of making things look good that are not good. And so that's why this part of the prayer is in here. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, the need for forgiveness, for us to be forgiven, and us to extend forgiveness. Uh, and all those, uh, th that need for forgiveness, either granting it, giving it to us, or giving it to others, uh, is because of the sin that's in the world and the temptation that we have to follow our own path and do our own things, uh, contrary to what God's Word says, uh, which leads to that, that need for asking for uh, forgiveness for ourselves or granting forgiveness uh, to, to others. So here we're told in verse 13, this last part of this prayer, lead us not into temptation. Now, we need to understand this. We're praying to God and saying, God, don't lead us into temptation. Uh, something we need to understand about this is that God does not tempt us. Uh, we live in a fallen world, and so we deal with temptation. We, we, we deal with working and doing things contrary to God's Word and God's will. We are led into uh, doing things that are uh, are not correct and, and, and right. But again, God is not the one that leads us in that wrong direction. God does not tempt us, but God does test us. So when we pray to God and say, God, uh, lead us not into temptation. We're not saying God's leading us along that path, but we're saying we are prone to give into our temptations. And so, God, you overcome that in our lives. You show us the best way and the right way. I want to talk just a moment here, though, about the difference between testing and, and, and tempting. Uh, and it's really the outcome of, of the two, and that's why God would never tempt us. Uh, ask this question. Some of you out there may be teachers. Uh, all of us uh, have influence over different people. Uh, but uh, we, we are tested on, on a regular basis. And when teachers give tests, there's a lot of reasons why they give tests. But ultimately, the goal of a test, whether it's a, a teacher giving it to a student or uh, people are tested physically all the time, if you're going to get into the military uh, or into some kind of a first responder type uh, service, you're going to be tested physically and mentally. The, the purpose for those tests ultimately uh, is for a positive outcome. Uh, it's to lead the person to be better. Uh, if a teacher gives a test, uh, they are trying to discern how much information does this student know? Uh, what do they know? Or what do they not know? Uh, even if that student fails that test, it gives them a baseline. It gives them a standard for where they need to, to be and, and where they need to go. So even failing a, a, a test, a, a proper test, 
is is ultimately to say, well, this is an area you need to work on. Same thing with the physical test. If uh, if you're in a, a job that demands uh, that you do physical work and they give you a test and you fail that test, uh, it's going to give you the standard. This is an area I need to work on. This is something I need to get better in. Uh, so uh, testing ultimately is seeking a positive outcome, uh, even when that test is failed by somebody. It's, it's, it's going to give them a positive outcome in, in areas they need to work on and grow in. So God will test us, and, and Scripture teaches us that, that He will do that, and He does it for our, better, our betterment. And even when we fail a test that God gives to us, He doesn't delight in that failure, but it is, uh, helps us to understand what His standard is and, and where we are in meeting that standard, and He's going to provide what we need in order to ultimately overcome uh, that uh, those failures and those shortcomings, if we'll put our hope and trust in Him. So testing tends toward a positive outcome, whereas tempting tends toward a negative outcome. Uh, a temptation is something, again, Satan tempts us all the time. Temptation is to try to get somebody to fail, not just seeing if they're going to fail or not, but the whole point behind a temptation is to try to get somebody to do something that's ultimately going to cause them harm and failure in their lives. And Satan does that all the time. He wants to trip us up, and he wants to keep us from experiencing the fullness of what God would have us to experience. So he tempts us to do what we want to do. Uh, the very first temptation in the Garden of Eden. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve had everything perfect. God had, did test them by saying, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Do not eat from that tree. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else you can have, and everything else was good. It wasn't like that tree was uh, extra special in any way. Uh, God had given them a perfect place and given them everything they could possibly need, but he did put that one tree in the garden to test them. Uh, to see if they would obey and, and follow. And so what Satan does is he comes in, and we don't know how long they've been in the garden before this happens, uh, but Satan comes in and he starts to tempt them, tempt Eve in doing that. And ultimately, he tempts her to look at the tree, uh, question God's goodness, question what God had said was right and proper. Uh, and ultimately, when she saw that the tree was, you know, good, the fruit was good to eat, uh, and that she could obtain uh, knowledge by that. And, and the ultimate temptation in there by Satan was, if you eat from this tree, you won't need God anymore. You can be your own God. You'll have this knowledge. Then just give into it and do it. And ultimately, that led to the first sin, and that temptation led to uh, all other temptations that follow behind it and what, what we fall into today. Satan's goal was to destroy. He was his goal was to trip them up and take away from them. You know, John talks about this, or Jesus talks about this in John's gospel. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Christ says, The thief comes, talking about Satan, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He tempts in order to take. But I have come, Jesus says about himself, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. He says, I've come to, to give life, to, to make it positive and good if you'll be obedient, if you'll follow my way, if you'll uh, be my uh, servant and, and trust in me. So this whole idea here, when we're asking God, when we're saying, lead us not into temptation, it's not that God is leading us in a path that will bring us destruction. He's leading us into a path that will bring us righteousness and wholeness and fullness in our lives. But we do recognize that we live in a world where temptation is real. And so 
another question based on that, and, and we'll end with this and, and wrap these things up next week. But I want you to think for a moment in your own life, uh, and either you personally, and my prayer is that you will think personally how this uh, affects you, but then also in a general sense, how this, what this looks like uh, in other individuals' lives as well as the church's life, is what are temptations? What are some temptations that we face as individuals and also as a church? Uh, We face temptation all the time uh, on an individual basis, but then also corporately. Uh, we, we are tempted to do things. I came across a quote, and, and that's what led to this question. And, and this is the quote. I want you to think about this a little bit. We'll spend just a moment or two talking about this uh, and then wrap up for today. But uh, the quote is this, the greatest enemy of the Christian and of the church is not the obvious evil, but the apparent good. Think about that for a moment. The greatest enemy. Now, now the the obvious evil out there is is obviously evil. It's it's we know it's not good. We know it's not right. We can look at some things, uh, and we can say that's not right. That's not good. That's taking you down a path you don't want to go. Uh, if you follow that pattern, uh, you're going to end up in a in a very bad place. There's obvious evil out there. Uh, things that lead to um, destruction of relationships, uh, whether it be the ultimate destruction through uh, some kind of a death, uh, through murder or something like that. But then also, we know there's obvious evil about gossip and how that destroys lives and dis- destroys relationships. Uh, we know there's some other obvious evils in, in lifestyles that we live, uh, taking uh, drugs improperly, illegal drugs, or even taking legal drugs improperly, uh, how that affects our body and, and destroys our body and, and causes addiction. And uh, that's an obvious evil, something that uh, uh, is not good. Denouncing God and 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 speaking against his word and his will, we know that's an obvious evil. But this quote said, it's not, you know, that's not the greatest enemy of the Christian church, uh, the Christian or the Christian church. It is the apparent good. Now, remember, this prayer is, lead us not into temptation. So God, open our eyes so that we can see the reality around us the way you see it. Help us to understand what is right and, and ultimately what is what is good. We are in a spiritual battle. We'll talk a bit more about this next week, but we are in a spiritual battle, and Satan knows how to dress things up and, and how to make things good. Uh, he can put a lot of glitz and glamour on something that is really an empty shell. In fact, this Sunday I'm preaching in Jeremiah, and, and Jeremiah is dealing with idolatry uh, in, in the people's lives, and why would they uh, follow a God that they've had to carve out of some wood and decorate up and, and literally prop up and make sure it's going to stay in place? Why would you claim that to be your, your God uh, instead of the one true living God, the, the creator of the universe, the one that made everything, uh, how, how ludicrous that is, and yet that we, we follow those same kinds of things. Uh, Satan knows how to make things look good, and and there's some apparent good that is out there that's actually detrimental. Uh, one area that just rolls around in my mind quite often uh, is what it means to truly love somebody. Uh, we want people to feel good. We want people to feel good about themselves. We want people to experience life 
to, to the fullest that they possibly can. And sometimes we think that avenue is by just saying, live the lifestyle you want to live, whatever fits your 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 uh, uh, personality, uh, whatever you know your desire is. We live in a world right now that is, that's trying to advocate for. Uh, whatever you feel like, whatever you think like, you know, we have all these uh, uh, acrostics, you know, of all these letters that we're putting together, uh, and and we're saying whatever you feel, whatever works for you, whatever is right for you, whatever your truth is, uh, you know, that that's going to make you happy. Well, that's an apparent good. There, on the surface, it, it there's a there's a sense where it sound that sounds good. Well, just you know, live and let live. You live like you want to live. I'll live like I want to live. We, we know that doesn't really work uh, because when the way you want to live uh, contrasts with the way somebody else wants to live, there's going to be conflict, and and somebody is not going to be happy or both aren't going to be happy with that. But there's there's an apparent good that we can slip into by just simply saying, well, you know what? That's not my lifestyle. Uh, that's not the way I feel. Uh, they have certain uh, dispositions inside of themselves that lead them to, to think like that, act like that, work like that. And, and so, you know, it looks good. And there's a lot of churches right now trying to accommodate those things uh, into their uh, the way they operate and into their, their, their culture, and they don't want to call out sin. Now, we're not saying here that we need to be uh, rude and ugly. In fact, we, we need to do the exact opposite. And one of the examples that was brought up today was the, the negative way of, of, of addressing truth and the damage that it, that it ultimately does, because it's ultimately not true, uh, is some of these churches that will go out and, and protest in a very ugly way, a very confrontational way, uh, in, in a way that they are just demeaning to other people. Uh, that That's never healthy. That's never good. But we do need to address it. Uh, if you go into the doctor and he thinks that you have something wrong with your body, you may look okay and healthy on the outside, uh, but something's not right, and you go in and get a PET scan, uh, you don't want that doctor to come in and say, well, you know what? You look okay on the outside. Uh, you know, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, you just go on and live your life and, and do what you want to do. No, you want to know answers. It, 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 you know, if there's nothing wrong, if the pet, PET scan comes back clear and good, you want to know that, that there's no cancer that we can see in your body at this time. You want to know that so you can have peace of mind. But if you have cancer in your body, if there's something wrong with you, you don't want that doctor to come in and say, you know what, just keep living like you want to live and do what you want to do, and and we're just, you know, I'm just going to make you feel good. You don't want that. You want the doctor to say, here's a problem, and we're going to try to address this problem. We're going to try to correct this problem. That's real compassion. That's real love. Not letting somebody live in a delusion that's going to ultimately kill them physically and how much more important is that for us physically, I mean spiritually? If there's something wrong in somebody's lifestyle, the way they're living their lives, what they're doing, and we all fall short of God's glory. We all um, do things that we should not do, and we need to have somebody lovingly, caringly, compassionately, based upon the truth of God's Word, uh, address that with us and, and find a way to help us to deal with that. The greatest enemy of the Christian and of the church is not the obvious evil. That is bad. That is wrong. That's easy to spot. But it's the apparent good. And I think oftentimes we try to placate people. We try to make people feel okay about themselves rather than trying to deal with the issues that are going on in their lives, in a, again, in a very loving, compassionate, scriptural way. 
so that they can grow and mature. They may not like the answers. They may not like what it is. I'm not saying that, that they have to uh, appreciate it, but we have to approach it in the right way. So we got to be very careful about that apparent good that's out there because Satan can dress it up and he can make it look good, but in the end it's going to lead to death and destruction, to steal, kill, and destroy. Much more to say about this. We'll pick that up next week. Uh, but my prayer is that as we read this passage, as we look at what we're praying here, this is what Christ called his disciples to pray. Pray to God and say, lead us not into temptation. We're asking there, God, open our eyes so that we can see the truth of the world around us, uh, have a right perspective of the, the traps, the, the temptations that Satan is putting out there before us so that we can properly deal uh, with those, th- those issues and those problems. Uh, God's not going to lead us down a path that's going to lead us to destruction. He doesn't do that. He always leads us in a way that we can grow sh- healthier and stronger. So we're not praying. Uh, that, that we're not saying, God, please don't tempt us because he's not tempting us. He does test us. But what we're praying is, God, help us to see the temptations around us for what they are. Uh, Even those things that apparently look good, give us the wisdom, the spiritual wisdom uh, from your word uh, and your spirit working in us to discern what those are so that we can better live for you. We'll pick up the rest of this uh, passage and look a little bit more in depth next week. But thank you for joining me this week. Uh, My prayer is that you are blessed and encouraged and help us to go out there and pray this same prayer. God, Don't lead us into temptation. Give us wisdom to know what uh, you would have us to do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now, and we thank you for your word, uh, the power that that is in these statements, um, what we're praying for here. We do ask that you uh, lead us in the path of your goodness and your grace. Um, Lord, we know you would never lead us down the path of temptation, of something that would bring destruction upon our hearts and, and, and in our lives. So, lead us down that path that is good and right um, by being able to discern your word and your will for our lives. Thank you, Father, for promising to do that when we put our hope and trust in you. Uh, Lord, uh, what you spoke through Jeremiah, what speaks to me on a daily basis, uh, when we seek you and and search for you with our whole heart, uh, you will be found by us because you promise us to do that. So help us to seek you and to search for you. Uh, and truly trust in your word and live in that word each and every day. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen.